0: Good to be back and see our place standing, but it was touch and go for a while.
1: As some Asouye's evacuees return home to relief, in Aldergrove, another sign of just how dangerously dry it is. And...
2: We can hardly believe our eyes, and this is happening in Canada.
1: Another BC church hit by vandals and how it's directly linked to the residential school system. Plus... Quite frankly, faculty don't feel safe teaching in them either. Mandatory masks in classrooms and vaccines in residences. The pandemic push at UBC.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. There are 259 active wildfires burning in B.C. tonight. That includes 14 new fires sparked in the past two days, most of those lightning-caused. The Incomeep fire near Asuyas is one of those closely being monitored with those Mexican firefighters who arrived yesterday set to join that fight today. Our Paul Johnson is joining us from Asuyas with the latest on the Incomeep fire. Paul.
3: Uh, hey Neithu um we didn't get a, a new briefing on the Incameep uh, fire today it was Sunday and they didn't have one scheduled but just being here in the town of Osoyoos and looking across um, the lake you can see pretty clearly that uh, there is as little fire on that mountainside as we've seen uh, since I came up here and started reporting on Wednesday. So that's a good sign. Also um, a handful of the hundreds of evacuees have started to return. We caught up with some of them today. We also talked to some people who've made the controversial decision to defy the evacuation orders and defend their homes by themselves. Back to the golf lifestyle at Spirit Ridge, where residents are returning from evacuation after a close call. David Milne's recent find shows you just how close.
0: Just when I walked up this morning, just beyond where it starts to singe.
3: David Milne and his wife were ordered to evacuate when the Inca fire came dangerously close to their community, which is right across the lake from the town of Osoyuz. Well, they're world travelers. This won't go down as one of their favorite excursions.
0: It's good to be back and see our place standing, but it was touch and go for a while. We felt really nervous.
3: Further east, up on Anarchist Mountain, where the fire still smolders in the background, Wolfgang Heinz had a different plan. I found back then that I was more of help uh, for uh, the fire crews uh, knowing the area, knowing uh, what could be utilized for them to fight the fires properly. Staying on after the evacuation order. His thinking is that his sprinkler network and his fire abatement work made it more practical to stay and defend his property, as he's done in past wildfires elsewhere, though he says it's not for everyone. For me, it's like... I feel like I have to be here in order to protect it as good as I can, also knowing that when it's time to leave, to leave. But for the vast majority of British Columbians who are likely to start packing the moment the Mounties knock on their doors, David Milne offers up this advice. Before they get the
0: knock, prepare a kit that that you could throw in the car very quickly because we had some time.
3: So while things look to be vastly improved uh, down on the Osoyoos end of this fire, uh, looking further north up toward Oliver, we can see there's still some pretty big columns of smoke up there, and that's been where the fire has been most active in the past couple of days. Also, just across from us, while the mountainside seems to be clear, there are still some small fires burning up near the top that's up near Anarchist Mountain. So this fire is still out of control and still dangerous, not out of the woods here yet. But one thing that's been going on they had problems a few days ago with the winds really coming up around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and that hasn't happened the past couple of days. In fact, today it's quite still, though it's a bit hotter. So presumably they've got some pretty good conditions right now, and if they can build on this momentum, things are looking promising. Need to?
1: Glad to hear that. We'll check in with meteorologist Yvonne Schell for more on that in a moment. Our Paul Johnson for us tonight in Asuias Thanks, Paul. Now to some of the other wildfires of note. A fire continues to burn above the iconic Three Valley Lake Chateau west of Revelstoke. Crews from Canadian Pacific protect the track by dousing the forest with fire retardant. And helicopters continue water drops to protect the CP mainline. The fire is out of control, but is moving upslope and away from the chateau. Crews have set up sprinklers to protect the chateau and the heritage ghost town. They've been evacuated because of the fire's proximity. The B.C. Wildfire Service is monitoring the flames, but not actively fighting them. Two properties are now on an evacuation order because of the Garrison Lake fire. That blaze is burning 33 kilometers southwest of Princeton and outside Manning Park. The fire is an estimated 1150 hectares in size. 141 properties are under an evacuation alert. That means people in the area have to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. No structures are under immediate threat. Heavy smoke is still hampering crews battling multiple fires in the lower Arrow Lake area. The Octopus Creek fire has already forced several residents to evacuate, with more than 100 properties in the community of Folkier still on evacuation order. That aggressive fire is more than 11,000 hectares. On the other side of the lake, the evacuation orders in place in the area of Edgewood for the Michaud Creek fire have been partially reduced to an alert. The Hanaqua Lake wildfire that prompted an evacuation order for a large portion of Seymour Arm is estimated at 2,000 hectares. Smoky conditions mean getting accurate mapping is difficult, but it's estimated to be more than 2,000 hectares. Two helicopters and 14 firefighters are working in the area, and heavy equipment is being used to build a guard. Structural protection units will remain on scene to protect the community. And as promised, we're bringing in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the conditions and what they'll be like
4: over the next few days. Yvonne? Nithu, hot and dry, and temperatures are really going to start to rise, especially in the interior. No relief just yet from Mother Nature. Paul had mentioned slightly weaker winds over the last few days. We haven't seen those gusts, but we still have a southwesterly wind, and that's fanning the flames and the smoke north and east and towards Alberta at this point. A snapshot for tomorrow we can anticipate. The area of concern or the risk of thunderstorms will be along the central interior. A different weather story along the northern half of the province where we are seeing some on and off showers and a bit of instability. But the big weather story that we'll be following is the upper level chart. And we're watching this ridge of high pressure. It'll strengthen over the next few days. Along the coast, temperatures will be into the low 30s. But as we get in towards the interior, we'll see that push in temperatures, especially for the southeastern corners along the Okanagan. Temperatures are going to soar mid and upper 30s. So we'll have more coming up. Temperatures hot and also the dry conditions that we can anticipate. And a few spots across the province that we're seeing that instability coming up shortly. All right, thanks so much, Yvonne. And
1: elaborating on that point, some dramatic video to show you now depicting just how dangerously dry it is across B.C. This video was sent to us by a global viewer of a brush fire at Fraser Highway and Bradner right in front of the Abbotsford number no. three fire hall. But witnesses at the scene there were, say there were no trucks inside as they shot the video and therefore no one immediately available to knock down the flames. This fire happening as the region, like the rest of the province, copes with tinder dry conditions. Another church on the Lower Mainland was targeted by vandals today with a message left specifically about the impacts of the residential school system. That happened just hours before a gathering outside a church in Surrey that was destroyed nearly a week ago in a suspicious fire. Emadagahi has the details.
5: It is the first Sunday since the fire. And a day for prayer now is set aside for demonstration.
2: I feel really sad. Uh in, in a shock. We can hardly believe our eyes. And this is happening in Canada.
5: On Monday, before dawn, a suspicious fire ripped through the St. George Coptic Orthodox Church just days after an apparent attempted arson at the same building had been caught on camera.
2: you see us? We're on the street. We have nowhere to go to. So we're homeless now because someone with black heart, lots of hate, decided to burn our church.
5: Since the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves at former residential school sites across Canada, churches have been targeted on a weekly basis.
6: It's not helpful. I
3: mean, we've apologized uh, for our role in the injustices that
0: happened in the residential schools, but I don't think this is going to help anybody down the road.
5: Sunday morning, this was the scene at St. Peter's Roman Catholic Church in New Westminster. The paint's still fresh from presumably the night before, and it seems those responsible knew the history of the church quite well. As to this day, it remains under the spiritual direction of the Oblades of Mary Immaculate, the Catholic religious order in charge of many residential schools. Back in Surrey, beneath this ruin is the site of marriages, baptisms, and years of worship.
2: Terrorism, actually, this is terrorism against the churches, and we don't know who's doing it. So what we are asking the government to do is to take an action and look into this stuff. You know, they have to put an end to it.
5: Of the families here, almost all say they moved here to escape persecution in Egypt. But they may now have found their church to be collateral damage in another polarizing situation that seems also out of their control. Emadagahi, Global News.
1: Well, as more and more people return to flying, international travelers coming into Canada will find themselves being split into different lines based on whether they've been vaccinated or not. A spokesperson for Vancouver International Airport says passengers entering Canada from the U.S. or another international destination are being put into vaccinated and non- or partially vaccinated queues before reaching Canada customs. YVR says it's been put in place based on federal government policies Policy to help streamline the border clearance process. The same process has also been installed at Toronto's Pearson International Airport. The union, which represents 56,000 UBC students, is calling on the university to make masks mandatory in classrooms and vaccines mandatory in residences. Kristen Robinson has more on how UBC is responding to claims it's falling behind on COVID safety.
7: All is quiet at UBC, but come September, when crowds return for full on-campus learning, there are COVID concerns.
8: We should stick to the masks for a bit longer, especially during lectures and indoors.
7: The student union demanding the university follow Ryerson and the University of Toronto, where masks are required in classrooms, and students must have a first dose before moving into residence. Students want mandated masks in lecture halls and required vaccines to live in student residences. In a return-to-campus survey of nearly 8,000 students, the AMS says there was 82% support for a vaccine mandate in UBC housing.
8: I think everyone should be vaccinated to come to UBC if it's in person. That's, That's the bottom line. It doesn't matter if you're from whichever country, you should just be vaccinated.
7: UBC says vaccinations will not be mandatory per public health guidelines. These are not a minimum standard, but a high standard that has been set by the provincial health officer. The university says, adding that with the expected number of partially and fully vaccinated individuals, the health risk is low for the return to campus for the fall. It's a recommendation that post-secondary institutions don't do anything other than the PHO. So it's not that UBC's hands are tied. As COVID case numbers trend upward and the highly contagious Delta variant spreads, infectious disease experts are urging everyone to be part of the solution.
5: The moment you are
0: eligible to receive your second shot, and that is made available to you, run, don't walk to the vaccination center.
7: Dr. Brian Conway believes one-third of the unvaccinated could be reached through pop-up clinics.
0: I think the targeted programs could get us well over 90 percent of individuals doubly vaccinated
8: by the fall.
7: Requiring in-residence immunizations could help get us there, says the UBC Student Union, while also bringing peace of mind to in-person learning. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Kelowna Yacht Club is temporarily
1: closing some of its facilities after an outbreak of COVID-19. The Yacht Club sent a letter to its members disclosing that two colleagues have tested positive for the virus. The club does not believe there is any risk, as they have not been in the building since Thursday. The member lounge will be closed until further notice, but the remaining areas of the club will stay open. This comes as Interior Health continues to lead the province in daily COVID cases. RCMP say several healthy trees have been felled at the site of an old-growth logging protest on southern Vancouver Island.
2: Get back, get back oh, get back.
1: Police made 16 arrests in the Ferry Creek watershed area on Saturday after they say a few environmental activists were confrontational, obstructing officers and refusing to obey by the exclusion zone. One person is also accused of assaulting a police officer. Earlier, RCMP say they discovered 18 living trees cut with chainsaws and felled across the road, blocking vehicle access. A man on a tripod was also seen smoking a cigarette near the Tinder Dry forest. Police say they're concerned protesters are actively breaching the court-ordered injunction and say it's only a matter of time before someone gets seriously hurt. RCMPs say they have gotten to the bottom of a drug bust in Burnaby. Suspected cocaine, crack and fentanyl was seized Saturday night from a speeding SUV stopped on Hastings Street. The search for the drugs was brief. They were discovered inside the underwear of a suspect. This is the second recent drug bust involving drawers in the city. Still no word on possible charges. And after the break, BC kids collateral damage amid a surgeon shortage. And it's just, it's not good enough for our kids. They deserve better. The changes parents are calling for from BC Children's Hospital Management and the new details about the temporary solution to mass surgery suspensions. Plus, the mission that resulted in North Shore rescue crews spending the night on Vancouver Island. More frustration tonight about the alleged mismanagement by the Provincial Health Services Authority and BC Children's Hospital as the facility's transplant program remains in flux. Global News has obtained an internal document about their strategy to deal with a shortage of surgeons. As Julia Foy reports, it has some parents saying those at the top have been dismissive and disrespectful. Can
9: I come play? Five-year-old Evelyn, who loves to play soccer, has had a few challenges in her short life, which have required her to have a tracheotomy and several heart surgeries. BC's Children's Hospital has been there since the beginning. She's here because of them, um, both them not giving up on her. Evelyn was supposed to have another surgery this summer, but her parents were informed that both pediatric heart surgeons are now on leave. That's when fear set in. It was scheduled for July 7th and
2: it was cancelled
9: and that there's no surgeon in this province who can currently take care of her um, is scary and infuriating. The problem appears to be linked to alleged mismanagement from the top concerning cardiac surgeons Dr. Sanjeev Gandhi and Dr. Andrew Campbell. Parent advocates met with the Provincial Health Services Authority and BC's Children's
10: Hospital recently, asking for help. One in a hundred births is a congenital heart defect. So it's it's a situation that's critical. It's a situation that needs the ministry's attention. It needs all levels of administrators to pay attention and to work together to solve this.
9: One concerned family shared a memo from July 22nd, which says Dr. Campbell, who's been on leave for three years, will be returning. There's no mention of Dr. Gandhi, but a number of locums, or temporary surgeons, will be brought in to fill in the gaps. The problem
10: is is the, the consistency of care and what are the best practices for the children. So when you have a locum coming in, that is far from best practices.
9: Evelyn's parents have been told she may not get another surgery date anytime soon, and traveling to a hospital out of province is a possibility. They're asking the provincial health ministry to step in. It's not good enough for our kids. They deserve better. Um, She has not fought for five years to be here, to now sit in limbo because of hospital politics. Julia Foy, Global News.
1: Two climbers were rescued just before sunset from a ridge below the summit of Golden Hind in Strathcona Park on Vancouver Island. Crews with North Shore Rescue along with Talon helicopters came to the aid of two hikers trapped off a 7,000-foot-high ridge. After the successful rescue effort, the crew stayed in Campbell River overnight because there wasn't enough time to make it back to the lower mainland. They made their way back this morning. Two motorcyclists busted for speeding in Port Moody have had their rides seized. Port Moody police say officers clocked these two bikes going 97 kilometers per hour in a 50K zone and overtaking vehicles on the winding roads near Sassamat Lake Saturday evening. One of the motorcycles is uninsured and the other rider unlicensed. Both bikes were impounded and police issued $1,500 in fines to their riders. Work begins later tonight to install a temporary bike lane at Stanley Park. In March, Vancouver Park Board commissioners voted 5-2 to two in favor of implementing a bike path on one lane of Stanley Park Drive. That's similar to what was done last year. Commissioners got an earful from the public on the issue, with some saying reducing cars in the park limits access for the elderly and disabled. Business operators in the park say it also hurts them as they struggle to recover from the pandemic. Stanley Park Drive will be closed to traffic between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. through to July 30th for the installation work with some minor lane closure work during the day. And coming up, protesting Canada's path to permanent residency.
11: One in 23 people who are migrants without permanent resident status don't have equal rights.
1: The permanent changes protesters at Parliament Hill are fighting for and later.
9: It's what has kept roller skating alive when um, the more privileged culture had kind of forgot about it. Why some say the popularity
1: of roller skating during the pandemic is less of a resurgence and more of a boost the pomp and ceremony that normally goes with the installation of a new governor general will be parred back tomorrow due to the pandemic. Mary Simon will be sworn in at the Senate on Monday as Canada's next governor general. The Inuk leader and former diplomat had a virtual audience with the Queen on Friday. There will only be 44 people allowed into the Senate chamber as Simon officially becomes commander-in-chief and Canada's first indigenous governor general. She replaces Julie Payette, who resigned in January after a review found Rideau Hall had become a toxic workplace, Simon's first speech as Gigi will touch on themes of youth and reconciliation. Thousands of migrant workers took to Parliament Hill on Sunday to press for changes to Canada's immigration laws that would set them on a path to becoming Canadian citizens. As David Aiken reports, the group hopes to make the matter an election issue. United,
11: never be Most are not Canadians, and yet, They've come to the seat of Canada's government, demanding rule changes which they hope will set them on a path to becoming Canadian.
5: Prime Minister Trudeau has a test of his
11: sincerity. He says he wants to build back better, but that's not possible when 1 in 23 people who are migrants without permanent resident status don't have equal rights. Without those rights, migrant workers were left vulnerable during the pandemic. These guys, these guys are, are farm worker like myself. Omar Walcott points to the poster of some of the 14 migrant workers who died in Canada last year, most from COVID-19, caught in unsafe living conditions.
0: They die and I need Trudeau's watch, you know,
2: so I really think that Trudeau is responsible for these guys.
8: I think this, this issue has come to the forefront, I think, with COVID. I think the, this it really put the spotlight on, these, uh, on, on the conditions that they're working in. So I think, if if anything, it'll be I think more on the on the minds of people when it comes to an election, for sure.
11: The vast majority of these migrants arrived in Canada legally to help harvest food on Canada's farms or help care for the elderly, the sick, or the very young. But as work permits or visas expired, they found themselves unable or unwilling to return home because of the pandemic. Now, 1.6 million are stuck in immigration limbo, working in Canada without labour law protection or access to Canada's health care system.
8: We work, we contribute to the economy of this country. I don't see why we should be treated badly. I don't see why we should be treated separately.
11: Many, like Mayanwe, who is from Cameroon, have been trying for years to become a Canadian citizen.
8: I love the country. It's always been my dream country.
11: The opposition New Democrats think that the governing Liberals are vulnerable on this issue of how migrant workers were treated during the pandemic. And so, in communities where there's lots of immigrants, think Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, you can bet that Liberal candidates are going to be challenged to defend that record. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa.
1: Dozens of people trying to keep up the pressure for what they call freedom for Cuba in Vancouver. The march happening this afternoon along Commercial Drive. It's been two weeks since the large anti-government demonstrations in Cuba sparking a violent crackdown. And activists say there are still more than 500 people who are missing. For many in this group in Vancouver, it's their second straight week protesting for democracy in their homeland. So today is a very
0: important day because Cubans all over the world are protesting like us. So supporting our people in Cuba because this regime must go. We want this regime go. We don't want this regime there. They are only there because they have the arms, because they have the police. They are killing us there in the streets. We don't know what will happen, but if they don't go, there will be a civil war.
1: And coming up, not your typical toy company.
0: I thought that might do wonders to affirm a kid and feeling confident about how they show up in the world.
1: The power behind these puzzles and why demand for them has soared.
3: We're watching Global News Hour at 6.
1: And I remember drawing like uh, girls with blonde hair because that's what I saw. How this family found the missing piece of most puzzles next but first let's bring back meteorologist Yvonne Schell for a look at perhaps the missing piece in our meteorological (laughs) puzzle across the province certainly not sunshine.
4: Rain. <laughs> Neithi, we are yeah. day 40 without precipitation and counting. We'll continue to see that. It'll be dry and hot and temperatures are really going to start to soar once again, especially for the interior. Those numbers coming up in just a moment. Here's a quick snapshot of what it looks like overlooking the North Shore Mountains. We're sitting at 23 degrees but with the humid X, especially areas away from the water, have been hovering into the low 30s. We do have a few thunderstorms or a line that's just working its way along the central interior. It's non-severe at this point, but we could see some intense downpours and a bit of lightning has been spotted across the region. An update on the BC Wildfire Service or from it, the active fires right now at 259, 259, 87 of them are out of control, 40 fires of note, and 70% of them are lightning caused, so please be very diligent and report any fires immediately. The Smoky Skies Bulletin remains in effect for the Caribou, southeastern corners, all areas and towards the southern interior. We will see local smoke, especially near the fires, and this will be over the next 24 and 48 hours fire danger ratings so they get high to extreme the southeastern corners along the island all included within that and i anticipate that we'll continue to see that over the next few with no rain in sight now the upper level chart once again showing us that ridge it'll build in very strong And what we'll see along the south coast temperatures into the low 30s and then areas away from the water and areas in towards the interior it's mid and upper 30s. Away from the water, for example, into the Fraser Valley, some of the hottest days will be Thursday, Friday, potentially leading in towards next weekend. The northern half of the province for tomorrow, we will be looking at showers along the coast. The instability inland will give that risk of a thunderstorm and the central interior will be included within that. All areas towards the south for the southern interior hot, dry and very and those temperatures are expected to soar as we get in towards the end of the week. So a heads up, smoke across the region will continue along the south coast. It's the northern and western edge of the island. Could see some cloud cover, a few isolated showers in the mix. All areas across the south coast, hot and dry, sunshine, temperatures over the next few, especially away from the water. That's where we'll see that heat with the Humidex tomorrow into the low 30s. Some of the hottest days will be for our Wednesday, Thursday, with that range between 26 and up to 30 degrees. Back to you. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Puzzles have become even more
1: popular during the pandemic, but one family noticed a missing piece of the puzzle, representation. So they did something about it and the demand has been huge for Puzzle Huddle since.
2: School, square, 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 heart, heart
12: triangle. triangle. You could call eight-year-old Mackenzie, or six-year-old Caleb old Caleb Mitt levels? and three-year-old Caleb puzzle experts. So do you guys have a strategy for puzzles?
2: Yes, normally we start with the head of people.
12: And while people have long been featured in puzzles, they don't always reflect the children putting the pieces together. And that's what inspired parents Matt and Marnell Goins to create Puzzle Huddle using inclusive images commissioned by artists. I think about the drawings that I used to do as a kid, and I remember drawing like uh, girls with blonde hair because that's what I saw. These Howard University grads wanted their kids to see themselves.
0: There's quite a bit of diversity in what might be considered African-American. And look for images that really affirm my particular child's skin tone and her hair texture and her eye color, that became very important and I I thought potentially
7: powerful.
12: Now that potential has grown from a few printouts cut with scissors into dozens of puzzles featuring diverse drawings of black and brown future doctors, astronauts, scientists and presidents.
0: I thought that might do wonders to affirm a kid and feeling confident about how they show up in the world.
12: Turns out lots of people agreed, and boxes of puzzles began to take over just about every corner of the Goins' Washington, D.C. home. So earlier this year, the young company moved into a warehouse. Matthew says he started Puzzle Huddle to inspire children. Now his are inspiring him.
0: They're very vocal about challenging my framework for diversity.
12: you did it! Now what do you see here? I
2: see different shades of brown. Is that important to you? Mm-hmm. How come? It doesn't matter uh, your skin color because everyone's unique in their own different ways.
12: Thanks to Puzzle Huddle, seeing someone
2: who looks it's like, like it's you
12: no stuff. longer has to be a missing piece. Deborah Alferone, CBS News, about Washington.
1: In there? Wow, the potential positive impact of something like that can't be understated. Just incredible stuff. Uh, a lot happening in the sports world as well, mm-hmm. Barry. What do you have coming up?
0: I don't, I don't get to say this often. I have breaking news. <laughs> Canada's got its first gold yes. Yay. in uh, Tokyo. Literally, minutes ago, Maggie McNeil in the uh, women's 100-meter butterfly. She's the defending world champ, so that's a big win for Canada. Actually, all of our medals so far, courtesy of the ladies. So we'll uh, talk about that and have some Olympic highlights for you. And, of course, the big news with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. As expected, Jake Vertanen has been bought out. And uh, I know there's been a lot made about the sexual misconduct suit and the ongoing investigation, but this was, this was more a hockey move. It's, it's been a tough go for him here uh, for six years. Being the, kind of the hometown kid from Abbotsford, it uh, didn't go the way they wanted. So we'll tell you about that and uh, where Jake may land in the future.
1: All right, looking forward to all that. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up, a home harvest for the whole community.
8: There's more often than we can even just give away.
1: The app that helps get leftover produce into the hands of those who need it and how it's gaining momentum.
0: Attention consumers. Having issues with scammers, price gougers,
3: corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies? Help is here. And Rua investigates consumer matters on global news.
1: A program to prevent garden food waste is gaining momentum in parts of Alberta. As Sarah Comedina reports, the program is helping to divert hundreds of pounds of perfectly fine produce from the landfill and onto people's
8: plates. There is a lot of passion and love that goes into growing the garden. Erin McDonald has a bountiful garden. We have pole beans, we have some Lots of tomatoes, some pumpkins, and as well we have zucchini squash, summer squash, and a couple of other squashes.
10: Excited to eat her own garden meals, she purposely planted too much, just so she could give it away.
8: If we can get that into the hands of somebody who is food insecure, uh, it can really make a difference to them.
10: It's part of the Leftovers Foundation's newest program to prevent food waste and to help feed hungry people.
8: Across Canada, we see over a third of the food that we produce is being thrown out.
10: Last year, in just Edmonton and Calgary, there was close to 900 pounds of food harvested by participants. Half of the food is given to a service agency like the mustard seed, and the other half is split between the grower and the foundation.
8: It's picked fresh off the vine, fresh off the tree, and it goes directly to the service agency. And the fresh food, the fresh produce is so incredibly valuable to them.
10: Home Harvest will accept any excess food from your yard from fruit trees or gardens. Growers can volunteer by downloading the Our Rescue Food app. For McDonald, the experience has been a win-win.
8: It can help reduce our grocery bill. We have shared it and there's more often than we can even just give away. So this is a great way to give back.
10: Sarah Comedina, Global News.
8: And coming
1: up, how the pandemic has contributed to a roller skating resurgence. And ahead in sports, the Canucks move on from embattled forward Jake Bertanen after more details in sports. Stay with us.
3: The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6.
1: All right, Barry's back with a look at sports. And once again, we're starting with the Canucks and big news over that contract buyout.
0: Mm -hmm. Thanks, Neithu. As expected, the uh, Canucks are parting ways with Jake Vertanen after six mostly underwhelming seasons. Today, they placed him on unconditional waivers for the purposes of a buyout. So the Canucks will save actually a pretty uh, good amount, two and a half million in cap room space. And at the same time, give Jake a chance to get a fresh start somewhere else. The fact he's also facing a sexual misconduct civil suit and ongoing criminal investigation didn't help Jake's cause. But this is a hockey move for the Canucks, who've given Bertin and every chance in the world to be a top six forward. But last year, he was a complete bust, scoring just five goals, arguably his worst season as a pro. He was the sixth overall selection in the 2014 draft. It seemed like he was uh, finally on track after back-to-back decent season in 2018-19-20, where he scored 15 and 18 goals respectively, but inconsistency has really plagued him. He got in Travis Green's doghouse early last year, never really got out. He finishes with 55 goals and exactly 100 points in 355 career games in Vancouver. It remains to be seen if another team will take a chance on the Abbotsford product, who turns 25 next month. Well, Canada has its first gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics about 15 minutes ago. Swimmer Maggie McNeil won the women's 100-meter butterfly. Canada also won two silver medals overnight, the women's four-by-100 freestyle relay, and in synchronized three-meter diving, We also got uh, moving pictures of those two impressive events. Canada certainly favored to be in the medal hunt in the relay. They won a bronze in Rio in 2016. The Aussies were on a different level, set a new world record. They won the gold But Penny Oleksiak took Canada from fourth to second on the anchor leg. Colonna's Taylor Ruck was part of the relay in the prelims, didn't swim in the final, but she got a silver medal as well. In synchro three-meter diving, Quebec's Jennifer Abel and Melissa Citrini-Boyot nailed their final dive to clinch the silver behind the Chinese, who won the gold. And a crucial game for Canada's softball team, they uh, took on the host Japan, a win, and Canada would go to the gold medal game, a loss, and they would have to play for bronze. Unfortunately, in the eighth, 0 Langley's Daniel Laurie on the mound gives up the game-winning hit, so Canada will play for bronze in a couple of days. Great news for Surrey gymnast Shallon Olson. Her goal was to make the vault final, and she has done it in style with a fantastic effort there. Unfortunately, Canada did not qualify top eight in the team competition, but Olson is definitely a medal contender in the vault. Gold Cup soccer, Canada and Costa Rica in the quarterfinals. Canada gets on the board first, 17th minute. A great long ball from Stefan Estacchio over the top, and Junior Hoylett with a remarkable play to chip it over the Costa Rican keeper. Fantastic goal, even without Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, and Kyle Lahren. A lot of talent on that Canadian team. Moments later, another chance. Stephen Vittoria smashes one from the top of the 18-yard box, but well saved by the Costa Rican keeper. In the second half, Canada pressured. They dominated all game, and it pays off here. A fortunate bounce. For Stefan Ustekio, it ends 2-0 Canada. Max Cripo had the shutout, not really tested. Canada now meets the uh, Mexicans in the semifinal on Thursday after a very impressive showing today. The Whitecaps are back in Vancouver now, where they will train at UBC starting Monday. It's been a long time coming, and they are so excited to be back home, although they are still 27 days away from actually playing at BC Place in front of fans. But the Caps are trending in the right direction after an impressive draw with freewheeling LAFC last night. Christian Dehomey and the, the Caps playing the with JTD some swagger and some the confidence. Love to, to see that. that. They struck first, Dahomey with the cross. The LAFC the defender, the defender deflects it, there, and there, Diber Kajun Sato has a wide open net and knocks it in. It's 1-0 Vancouver and then off the free kick. Great service by Christian Gutierrez and it's Christian Dahomey who's a looping header finds the back of the net. 2-0 Whitecaps. LAFC's got some quality weapons and they battle back, made it 2-1 and then tied it on this thumper from Sefuentes. 2-2 is the way it ends, but uh, all in all, another positive night for the Whitecaps.
2: What was special about the game today, it's how we, we were consistent throughout the 90 minutes. I feel that we were always a team that didn't back off, pressed in the right moment, looked to exploit the spaces. Uh, in their team. Look, I'm very proud of the mindset because there's, it's not a, we're not doing a party in the locker room, you know, we feel we could have gotten even something even more.
7: to be
0: Final round of the 3M championship for Minnesota, big opportunity for Merritt's Roger Sloan, just two back of the lead when the day began, and then at the 10th, he will sink the birdie, got to 12 under, one off the lead. He needs to make some money in FedEx points to help keep his tour card and sneak in. Into the FedEx playoffs so lots of pressure and unfortunately at the 13th it falls apart third shot on the par three out of the rough after putting his uh, tee shot in the bunker, chunks it, made double bogey, finished tied 16th. He does move up to 137 in the standings. The top 125 keep full PGA privileges. Adam Hadwin, by the way, did rally late to finish 6th at minus 11, but did not get any TV time. South African Louis Oosthuizen has five top three finishes this year, and you can make it six. His approach at 18. Almost holds this out for an eagle. Louie tied for second at 13-under. He's still looking for his first win on U.S. soil, which is kind of hard to believe considering how good he is. Cameron Champ had a one-shot lead late in the round, but then started feeling dizzy. Said he just was uh, getting dehydrated. He said a Gatorade took care of that, got some energy back, and then on 16, sinks the birdie putt to extend his lead to two shots. Got into some trouble at the 18th, deciding to use driver. This is his fourth shot on the par 5 needs just to make bogey for the win. And how about this pressure shot as he will land it above the hole and then spin it back to a few feet, made the par putt, and Cameron Champ is the champ for a third time in his young PGA Tour career as he wins by two at the 3M Championship in Minnesota. Blue Jays and Mets, they split the first two of their three-game set in New York. Jays down one nothing in the sixth, but Beau Bichette gets the Jays going. A two-strike base hit to center scores Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and George Springer. Jays put up three in the inning. They led 3-1, but the bullpen could not hold the lead. Again, that's happened way too many times this year. Ryan Barucki will serve it up to Mets slugger Pete Alonzo turns on that breaking ball, and... Hits his 22nd homer, a two-run shot to tie it. They brought in Jacob Barnes, the former Met, but he too cannot hold the Mets down as Jeff McNeil hits a two-run pinch hit double. Mets take down the Jays 5-4. Tough week for Toronto, who dropped to 49-46, and 46, and are now four and a half out in the wild card. And we'll finish with some Canadian elite basketball from Abbotsford. Fraser Valley Bandits taking on Edmonton. Bandits were down as many as 21, but they rallied. Alex Campbell hits the three-pointer here, and then late, Kenny go with the steal and the jam, but it wasn't enough as the Bandits fall 87-79. Their record is now 5-4. and four. And that is it for sports. Back to you.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Barry. And coming up, what's old is new again. How roller skating is making a comeback during the pandemic.
11: Our world is changing fast, but the plan remains the same. Ask the questions, explain the answers, provide the context. When and where BC needs it most. Global News. Navigate the now.
1: How's it going, you guys? Well, some may think roller skating had its heyday in the last century, but others believe the pastime never lost its popularity and it's just getting a further boost during the pandemic. Here's Jay Durant in today's This is BC.
6: From a much different era and the heyday of the Stardust roller rinks, where they came for the fancy moves, the friendship, and to find romance.
2: Do you meet a lot of guys here? Oh, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> meet a lot of ladies here?
6: Uh, just about every girl I know in Vancouver I've met at a roller rink. <laughs> but nostalgia has given way to something new.
8: We're going to start at the high side.
6: A rediscovery of sorts spawned from the early days of the pandemic.
8: Bubble plow. People realized early on that they could go outside, kind of on their own or in their bubble, put on some roller skates and safely get some exercise and have some fun.
6: The roller skate club holds several classes a week, a chance for participants to stay fit and perhaps refine their skills.
8: Just to get the hang of it, just go bubbles downhill and then skate back uphill.
6: Some are reluctant to call this a roller skating revival, but rather simply a continuation of an activity that's always been popular.
8: I like to quote Chuck D, Public Enemy, Uh, don't call it a comeback, we've been here for years. A reminder that the
6: love for four wheels never really faded.
9: Roller skating is a huge part of black culture. Black culture is a huge part of roller skating and it's what has kept roller skating alive when um, the more privileged culture had kind of forgot about it.
6: Local roller derby teams went on hiatus this past year, but there are classes for those who are ready for a rougher edge to their rolling.
7: You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to even think of yourself as sporty. I had never played a team sport before I played roller derby, and it's one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life.
6: But most are just happy to be staying active, kind of like the workouts some used to get at the rink.
8: Oh, yeah.
6: Although some of those routines may not be making a comeback.
8: (laughs) You guys are the best.
6: Jay Durant, Global News.
1: If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Wow.
0: Apparently it helps if you have feathered back hair,
1: you
0: <laughs> tend to skate better.
4: You would know, wouldn't you?
0: I would know, that is my era. <laughs> I recognize a lot of that style, if you want to call it that.
4: Yeah, <laughs> got to get out the overalls, that's what I was thinking, maybe rollerblades as well, and it will have the forecast as well. It'll be hot and sunny, dry all week. Perfect roller skating weather
1: indeed. All right, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Stay safe out there. Sonia duo will be here at 11.